so you're very welcome to his presence today. And uh, for those of you who are joining us on LiveGate Outreach TV and uh, our podcasts on Buzzsprouts and Apple Podcasts and uh, other forms, other platforms that we broadcast these messages on a weekly basis, I want to say you are welcome. And I know that you are listening to this particular message today, not by accident. Take it from me. Because there are many messages you could be listening to or things that you should be doing right now. But just because you are listening to this, I want you to stay focused to the very end and let God bless you. Because he has a purpose to reach you right, right where you are. And may that purpose be established today in Jesus' name. By the grace of God... Last week, we started our series on enjoying restful increase by love. Enjoying restful increase by love. And that's been our banner. We have finished session one, which was on loving God. And uh, we are now looking at session two, which is loving spouses. Loving spouses. And then we have two more to go as part of what God has laid on our hearts this time to share and to discuss. Those banners are put up every week on our Facebook page, LiveGate Outreach Center, and uh, the description and the summary of the message is always put on there as well. Uh, we were approached by a magazine to, uh, uh, to, to try at the end of the month to publish a little article on this. They saw us on Facebook and they said they wanted an article on this particular theme, that they were drawn to it, and I said, well, thank God for that. So we will be doing, we will be compiling those, but for church members and for people who follow us on, on our social media, these banners are there for you to have a reflection on a week-by-week -week basis, and uh, you can have a compilation of them so that over time you can use them for your private study and further meditation. And may God continue to help us in Jesus' name. So today we are talking on the uh, story of marriage. And um, I don't want anybody to feel left out. I don't want you to think if you are not married or you are getting ready for marriage or, not, or, or whatever, you've been married for a long time, this doesn't apply. The subject of marriage is one that everyone must, must learn because even if you are not married, somebody in your family will be married. Even if you, you, you have been married, people coming after you, your children will get married, you know, and even if you are in a marriage, you can grow. So it's a topic that we never can exhaust, and it is one area in our day and age that is really taking a battering by the enemy. Marriages are cracking by the day. People are struggling under the yoke of the enemy. Christians and non-Christians alike, but sadly, even in many cases, more, much more Christians and those who should know the Lord. In my years of counseling, by the grace of God, for about three decades now that I've been privileged to be counseling people on different topics, uh, different things, careers, you know, progression, a little bit of business, and things to do, of course, of, on theology and the things of the scripture, I find that the greatest area of counseling that has taken probably 60 to 70% of my time is in the area of marriage. Many times I find myself counseling couples four hours at a time, at times five hours, for one session and for many sessions like that. And I've done this for many years, and I find that this is a big area of challenge. And so it is not something we take lightly at all. But we need to understand what this thing is. So many people have been discouraged by it that now in the Western culture and even coming to other cultures, is becoming more gradual that people don't want to get married. People feel it's just a waste of time. People feel there is too much at stake to commit to a thing like marriage to the point where they just want to avoid it altogether. So they come up with all kinds of things like cohabiting and so on and so forth, or not even doing any of those things and just living life and producing children as any way they can. That is not the intention of God. Marriage is an institution that is established by God as a means of making life better for man. So every time marriage, a godly marriage, is not functioning the way God ordains, it is important that we come back to the roots and understand why not. Now, our world is very modern now, and in many cases, many things that used to have one definition now has many definitions. We have to admit it. 
We don't like to hear that as Christians because we, we, we want to believe that what God has defined for us in the scripture should be sovereign and it really should be. But we must understand that we are living in a pluralistic society today and we have to confront it. We have to accept it and confront it. Many people argue today that marriage means many things. And uh, for some people, it means any two people, whatever, whoever they are, can get married. For some people, any two things can get married. And for some people, it means so many things. But we, in our context, must allow ourselves to stay, whilst we respect whatever anybody believes, we have no problem with whatever anybody believes, but we must understand what we, who name the name of the Lord, believe and what we must believe from the biblical perspective. So everything I'm sharing with you has nothing to do with the philosophies of man, as it were, has nothing to do with what man thinks in the modern world, but has everything to do with what God has said and what God says we should follow, because that is our own standard. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Bible makes us to see that the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. This is what instituted the first marriage, as I believe every one of us here would know. The word help there is very comprehensive. It means to protect. It means to assist. It means to aid. It means to support. It means to allow to function. It means to enable. It means to comfort. It means to console. It means to stand by. Everything that the word help can render to this man to be good as God has intended is what the word help has come to do. And so we must understand that God's intention of marriage is not to frustrate man. The device of the devil today is to suggest to people, because marriages are failing left, right, and center, people are, are having more challenges than ever, and so many marriages are falling apart, even within the body of Christ. Even leaders, sadly, leaders of the faith, leaders in the faith, godly men, godly women, are finding themselves caught up with the, with the challenges of marriage breakdown in our day and age. And we have to be real and say something is wrong somewhere and we need to confront it and go back to God's intention who said it is not good for that man to fall apart. It's not good for that man to be alone but that the one he's going to make for him will be a helper, not a frustration, not, not, not an enemy, not, not a, 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 a source of sadness, not a source of, of frustration, a source of tension. It is to be a helper. How many of you are trying to walk through a door and you have groceries or you have bags in your hand and you are coming through the door and you really need somebody to help you through the door because if they don't, you'll have to drop everything you have and you have to go through the door. How many of you feel such a relief when you see somebody coming from the other side and they said, here, let me help you and they push the door open and something just makes you feel, oh, I have received help here. This is exactly what it is. You must see that the intention of God is for marriage to be receiving help in this way. Psalm 46 verse 1, the Bible makes us to understand that God is a very present help. The Lord is our strong tower and is our refuge and is a very present help in time of need. When we are in trouble, God is our help. John 14 26, he tells us that the Holy Spirit is our helper. So when God said, I will make for him, he say, what he's saying is that I will physically mold and make a person that is physical like him, that he can touch, that he can relate with, that he can sleep with, that he can love, that he can hold hands with, that he can walk about with. I will make that person physical and rather than me, Speaking to him from my spiritual realm because God is spirit, I will make a physical representation of myself and give him, give her to him so that he can do what I want to do for man, to help man. 
And so when we understand it in this way, we as men will see the importance of our women or our wives. Husbands will see the importance of wives and wives will see their own significance and how their husbands are also important. Because the object, as it were, of the wife is to be a help to the husband. When Adam woke up from that sleep in Genesis 2.23, he said, This is now the bone of my bones and the flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. In verse 24, verse 24, let's read it together. He said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So when we talk about marriage, marriage requires a constant and ongoing. Somebody say constant and ongoing. This is very important because when we read Genesis 24, 224, many of us think, and we have been taught for many years, that it is a one-time process. It is a one-time process to start it, but it is an ongoing commitment to make sure that we are constantly coming into a place of maturity, coming into a place of departure, and coming into a place of agreement to be one. What do I mean by that? When a man, the Bible says a man, so it talks about a matured person. It talks about a person that can take decisions, a person that is strong enough and wise enough to live by themselves. Because not every boy can be a married man, no matter how good and how influential they may be. Prince William, Prince Charles, they've been heirs to the throne right from the womb. And they were born as boys. But they were never allowed to marry until they became men. With their royalty, with their status, with the fact that they have the whole of the backing of the state behind them. So only a man, only men should get married. And so those of you who are here and are not yet married, married uh, young men, young women, you must understand that before you consider marriage, you must work yourself to become a man and a woman. You must develop yourself. You must school yourself. You must be somebody who has first and foremost a relationship with God. Because God was talking to the man he created here. And he said when he created this man, and he, he puts this man on earth from the biological process of being given birth to, he becomes a full-grown man and then one day he must operate by the law of departure. After maturing to become a man. One of the biggest challenges I have found in counseling couples today is the fact that there are too many boys who have got married. And when I'm saying boys, I'm not talking about age here. I have sat down over the years for almost 30 years now and I've seen very, very mature 25-year-olds, 26-year-olds get married and are much more matured than some 45-year-old men. A man must develop himself for marriage. It is a disservice to humanity to go into marriage without recognizing the responsibility that is placed on a man on the, to operate under the law of departure. To be a person who will go for a wife. Because you are going to somebody that will have to submit to you and will have to necessarily follow the laws of God and make you the person God wants you to be. So if you don't know who God wants you to be, you confuse a person. If you don't know where you are going, you drive that woman crazy. If you don't know what you are doing, you make life frustrated for another woman who now gives birth to children, who is frustrated and now frustrating other children, and then we get chaos. Those children get frustrated, they go into society, and they become a problem in schools. This is why it is important for us to understand, becoming a man is not just the ability to produce children. Any 13-year-old, or even these days, 10-year-olds probably, because when I was young, they used to say 18. Then suddenly the thing came to 13. These days, don't be surprised that even some 10-year-old boys are ready to have children. I don't say they should. If you are hearing me here, don't, I beg of you. Praise the Lord. But the world is becoming so sophisticated that 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds at times can now have children. So it's not about being able to produce children. That's not what makes you a father. That's not what makes you a husband. 
It is about becoming a man, a person with a vision, a person with a relationship with God, who understands how to pray, who understands how to hear from God, how to develop themselves. And don't forget, I'm telling you from the Christian perspective, from the biblical perspective, somebody who can hear from God and somebody who can know how to know what God is saying for their family and can lead appropriately so that there can be a cleaving. The Bible says he will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. This is so important. This is why the joining of the wife talks about submission. What is she submitting to? She's submitting to a man who has come to a place of maturity, who has left by the principle of departure. It is so frustrating for any woman when every decision they have to make at home, the, the, the man has to take the phone and call papa or mama. Very frustrating. And we have marriages like that till today. And I counsel young ladies who say, but pastor, I just don't understand. Everything major we have to do, he's got to ring mama. Now listen, mothers, some of you are wives now, but you are mothers as well. And very soon, your children will be getting married. You need to start schooling yourself for the day of departure. For this purpose, a man shall leave you. Leave you, father. Leave you, mother. And shall be joined to his wife. You have to prepare yourself for that day. Because if you don't prepare yourself for that day, you become an agent of the problems of today. Some women have so much of a strong control over their children. Especially their sons. So when the man is trying to depart, to cleave to his wife, they become a problem. Because the women who don't understand, the mothers who do not understand the principle of departure, put themselves into the marriage again, and then they start to cause problems for this burden family. Somebody say, God forbid. I have a very powerful mother. My mom was very strong. She's, I mean, she's very strong. She's still alive. She's 82 years old. She'll be 83 in a few months' time by the grace of God. And my mom had a very strong control on us. Our parents generally... When I say control, I'm not talking about evil control now, but we respected them, to be quite frank. And as I was getting closer to marriage, I had to start to think how I'm going to help my mom to obey the law of departure with me. So I was praying very carefully that God would give me the wisdom. So closer to the marriage, I called her and I said to her, I said, you know what, mom, you will be my mother forever. Nothing can change that. She said, yes. She smiled. I said, boy, you see, as I'm getting married now, I'm going to be married to a woman that you have to accept, even though she's, they've known each other then and all that, that you have to accept is now my wife, and that there are times, I am sure that there are times that you would wish that I do certain things in certain ways, but she would wish otherwise. And it is whatever I agree with her that will stand. I said, do you agree? He said, why not? I said, I know you. I'm asking you now because I don't want trouble then. <laughs> Hallelujah. And as God gave me wisdom, I helped her because I knew my father has no problem. You gone. God bless you. Bye-bye. You know, you gone. But, <laughs> amen. <laughs> but I knew I had to work with my mother. So every man must understand this. If you have parents that may have a very strong control, young men, young women, help them to understand that you will take responsibility and help them to see how they must help you to follow the law of departure. So it is important for young people, I need to say that because the major problem we have in marriages, as I said, is not so much because we've got two people that don't love each other. But we've got two people who have not departed as they ought to and they have not cleaved as they ought to because they did not have the right foundations. But the Lord will be setting our foundations straight today in the name of Jesus. So becoming one flesh talks about total submission by both parties. Everybody getting into marriage must understand this. You are becoming one. You are becoming one. You will not become one in fusion, but you are becoming one in your agenda. You are becoming one in your goals. The problem, another problem of marriage again today is when people who should be one are having divergent views, division. The man wants to go this way, the wife wants to go that way. Every time. It never helps a marriage. The thing that gives you speed and impetus in a marriage is the power of agreement. Amos chapter 3 verse 3, the Bible says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? And I have always said this. 
As for views, you will always have different views. But if you can learn to study the view of God, if you can learn to study the intention of God, and you gravitate around it, then you can agree around it. Because the word of God is where it's... Uh, let me just take a couple here. Can I have the uh, accords, please? Please, very quick. Let's clap for them as they come. Let's clap for them. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Let me just do something here that might help us to do this. Please come up on stage. Now, let's have Madam here. And let's have my dear brother Matthias here. Move, move apart a bit, a little bit. Okay, now look at this. This is a husband, this is a wife. As I am standing here now, they both see my shoulders. Okay? Because I have two. Isn't it? Now, Brother Matthias is seeing the left shoulder and Sister Chinwe is seeing the right shoulder. It belongs to me. For the sake of emphasis, this is the word of God. This is God. Okay? Now, as long as they want to talk about a thing and then my shoulders contain my intention for their lives. My shoulders contain what they ought to do for the next process. As long as, now you, both look, look here, look here. As long as they are looking here, now move towards me, move towards me, look, move towards what you are looking at. As long as they are looking towards that, you see they are moving closer. Do you, do you see that they are moving closer? Move closer now, are you afraid? <laughs> move closer. As long as they are moving closer, they are moving closer and they are agreeing because they are seeing the thing that never changes. Which is the word of God, the standard of God. If they remove this, go back to your where you are standing. If they remove this out of the scenario and Brother Matthias decides that what I want to see is that, is that man standing there. And she decides that what she wants to see is that woman standing there. Now, begin to move towards what you see. The word of God is still here. Are they moving closer together or they are moving apart? Are they moving closer or they are moving apart? God bless you. Please, you may be seated. Amen. God bless you. Let's put our hands together for them. The power of agreement thrives on the ability of a couple to see the oneness in the word from the word of God. As long as it becomes the standard, you find yourself agreeing many times. The reason we have tension today is we want to use our sense. So the wife says it has to be done this way. The man says it has to be done this way. And then without looking, what is God saying? What is the counsel we can get from the word of God here? And then you find that agreement becomes difficult. We need to learn this simple principle. That agreement and becoming one means that we are centralizing our decisions and actions on what the word of God says. And may God continue to give us capacity to do so. In the name of Jesus. Friends, I must tell you from personal experience that when a couple agrees, life is faster for them. My wife and I, by the grace of God, we have had some fantastic results in 24 years, 27 years that we've known each other, 24 years of marriage. We have had some fantastic results of speed because we agree a lot. We agree a lot. That's why it is impossible for you to convince me to hate my wife. Whoever you are, whatever you say about her, it is impossible because we are one. We are one. One day we were speaking somewhere. This was two years into our marriage. Somebody wanted my opinion for something. They did not find me. So they went to her. They said to her that it's like we want to speak to your husband about this matter. What do you think? That when he comes, we want to tell him. He said, don't bother. He will not agree. And they said, are you sure we've looked at it? He said, he will not agree. But if you want to go and ask, go and ask. So they came to me. The exact thing she said I would tell them was what I said to them. Then the woman looked at me and said, what? Some of you who were here at the dedication of, the, of this church on August 31st, the woman that somehow came from Nigeria at that time and testified was the, is the woman I'm talking about. She said, what? That this was exactly what your wife said. I said, I didn't know I was not there. I didn't know you discussed with her. But you see, when you have learned and developed agreement over time, you find yourself speaking as one indeed. You find yourself doing things as one. And then it's easy for me to input into her life so that I can correct her. I can tell her when she's, she needs to measure up to standard and she can do the same to me vice versa. 
This is the power of agreement. Listen, friends, nobody will tell you the truth outside your spouse. Nobody. You've got to learn to develop yourself to trust each other and to help each other to develop. And that's why the devil tries to always bring the divisions that he brings. But God will continue to help us break barriers in Jesus' name. And so all we do many times, we just say, Lord, we want to do this thing. We're about to take this step. We want to do this thing. And in next to no time, you just see it happening. You just see it happening because God thrives on the power of agreement. Whatever you do, couples, listening to me in the auditorium today or listening online, whatever you do, go back to the place of agreeing together on the basis of your godly heritage. And God will continue to give you victory in Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 19 verse 6 says, So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. Original King James says, let no man put asunder. We quote those verses a lot in, on the day of marriage. But we must understand that the Bible has given us meaningful explanations as to the role of the man and the role of the woman. We read, those of you listening online, Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 22 to 33 in our time of Bible reading, you can read it. And the first role was mentioned to the wife in verse 22. It said, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Verse 23 says, husband, verse 23, verse 22, verse 23 says, for the husband is what? The head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Listen, friends. This is one scripture that the world has taken and turned on its head and say that Christians are trying to promote subservience and Christians are trying to promote uh, uh, that uh, men should be chauvinistic. That's not what he's saying at all. If he had stopped at for the husband is also the head of the wife, then we may take those interpretations. He said, as also Christ is the head of the church. Do you know what Christ is? Being the head of the church, being the savior of the body, it is a responsibility of care. It is a duty of care. This is why we pray to him. This is why we call upon him. This is why we worship him. We don't just submit to him because his name is called Christ. You are not just to be submissive to your own husband. Verse 22, please. You are not just to submit to your own husband because he is called husband. You are to submit to him because he is submitted to God first. That's why I said I took time at when we were starting that before you go into marriage, men, young men, be a person submitted to God first because what you are going for is a woman that will cleave to you to become your wife who will now submit to you because you are submitted to God. The problem today is that we have few men, fewer men submitting to God and demanding for submission. The problem today is that we have fewer women refusing to submit despite the submission of the men to the Lord. We need to correct those things. We need to help each other to understand that as your husband submits to the Lord, it doesn't take away anything from you. I always say to, I, I always say to myself that, you know, why do women try to take the place of men? Why do many women try to take the place of men, especially where that man is godly, where that man is doing what they ought to do and fulfilling their duties? Why will a woman not just enjoy it? Just enjoy it. When we're going on a holiday or something and we're planning things, and uh, I'm all, thank God now the, 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 the kids have much grown and they help do a lot of things. They go online and can book hotels and things now. But many years ago when they were younger and they couldn't do that, I took responsibility for everything. I would check everybody's passport. If it was a place we needed visa, I would check to get everybody get a visa. We get to the airport. I'm the one doing everything. And they would just say, let us board. My wife would just be walking like that. I said, one day I called. I said, do you even know where we are going at all? Because she doesn't ask me any question at all. She just says, are we boarding? I said, do you even know where we are going? <laughs> because I'm really surprised. This person just follows, you know, like that. But really, that's, that's, that's how it should be. That's how it should be. Why should she be struggling with me? Say, checking this. Have you checked? No, 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 no. It's a waste of her time. She can do other things. And when we understand these things, we find that we take responsibilities as men. And wives also will take their responsibilities. Don't forget, I said you are help. You are helper. You are somebody who must also be hearing from God to know the help you ought to give to your wife, to your husband. 
You must be hearing from God. You must be prayerful. We need more wives who are more prayerful. We need more wives who are more hearing from God to play that role of supporting the husband and envisioning and giving the husband as much support as he needs. Listen, friends, I can tell any man that they are wonderful as much as I like from now till next year. But let their wives tell them only once. It makes a whole world of a difference. This is why when I see ladies who cut down their wives or their husbands and cut down their husbands and cut down their husbands every time, I say you are missing the point. When you look at your husband and you reduce him with words, and ladies can be very sharp-tongued, Phew. two minutes, the man is reduced to ashes. <laughs> you this useless thing. <laughs> that cuts him by half. <laughs> That's how your father, your mother, all of them, they behave. That cuts him by another half. <laughs> you will not amount to anything. I'm telling you, I've heard things. Say, look at you, all your mates. No man likes to hear that. The moment you say that, you lose favor with your husband. Yes. <laughs> <Praise>. <laughs> the moment you say all your mates, you have caused problem. One, you will make him hate those mates. Because that's what they did to Saul, isn't it, King Saul? The women came out, and it was women again, you see. The women came out, they said, Saul, he's 1,000. David, he's tens of, ah, Saul said, get up all the army. Who is that David? I must kill him now. <laughs> Before that time, David will be playing the harp. Saul will be saying, that's good, David, that's good. Play more, play more, play more. The day he had that David 10,000, the whole story changed. <laughs> He carried his spear one day as David was praying. He said, kill him away. <laughs> because a woman's word, and especially a wife's words to her husband, is meant to build. The Bible says a wise woman builds her own home. She speaks positively to her husband. The man has gone. He has gone to labor work for 12 hours. He comes back. He's tired. Don't look at him and say, look at you. All your mates are doing X kind of job. That is what you have been doing for five years. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you things. You say, you say honey, welcome back. I've put some water in the kettle. What would you like, tea or coffee? And he's like, you know, that, that, that manager again today. He, he, I will kill him one day. He said, no, honey, don't kill him. <laughs> honey, we are not killers. Honey, we are not killers. You don't worry. This is not your end. I know you have potential in you. I know you can make it. Remember that exam I told you about? Then you let him rest first, so don't go and tell him about the exam when his head is boiling. <laughs> then you would have done your research, things that you know he hasn't had time to check. I know you studied banking and finance. You studied medicine. You studied, you were an astronaut when we were in Africa, if, if any of you were one. But now you are doing this, and I know you can still become that. I have looked at a bridge program for you. And, you know, have you ever heard about this college? You say, no, where, where are they? See, they're just around the corner. They, you pay some money, but they can train you, and you can get this qualification. I know you are tired now, but I've read up all the facts, and tomorrow we can discuss it. And then you encourage him like that, encourage him, and continue to bring. And then what you will be seeing is that the king in him will be rising every time. The king in him will be rising every time. And before you know it, you've got your man back. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. But when we don't understand these things and we let the spur of the moment, don't allow us to play our roles as wives who should be submissive to our husbands and encourage our husbands, we will lose the point. Husbands. Husbands, verse 25, Ephesians 5, 25. Say, husband, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. This is what is called sacrificial love. The kind of love that will, does not look at things. It does not, the kind of love that Christ has for us that did not look at who we are, that did not care about our misbehavior, but yet gave himself for us. That is where a man, every man must be willing to die for their wives. Every man must be willing to lay down their lives for their wives. Because it is the duty of a man to protect his wife. In my home country, we used to have a president, just the last immediate president. I learned a lot from the man, despite what people say about him. Especially about him and his wife. President Goodluck Jonathan was president of Nigeria up to 20 15, for about six, seven years or so. 
And he had a wife. He has a wife. Not that he had a wife. He has a wife who was very funny in her disposition because she was not too good with the English language and grammatical construct. But if you listen to the woman very well and you looked at this couple, you will know that there's something in the head of the woman. English language is not the determinant of intelligence. I like the English people. They have managed to convince the whole world. That's what we do in this country. We convince the whole world that we are best. That's why even Chinese are still learning English till today. <laughs> everybody learns English in every country because we have managed to convince everybody from this country that English is the supreme language. But that's by the side. This woman will come and just speak all kinds of sentences and go away. She doesn't, she does, she doesn't give a hoot. And this man, if they were in a function together, I watched the man. He would just sit down there like that. And I used to ask myself, that, is he not hearing this woman? <laughs> Especially at a time when they were campaigning for the, for the last round of election. The woman would stand up, my fellow widows, we come together, and you know, you, are you not here? What was that? She, was saying, she just says all kinds of things. <laughs> will you keep quiet? <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> Hallelujah. She would say all those things, and the man would just sit down there, and then he would stand up. And they recognize all the party chieftains, and you say, and my beloved wife. Never once has he tried to correct her or anything in public. He recognized her. Last week, he was at either UN or something, representing the country in something, because he does all those all, all over now. The woman was like this, solidly by his side. That is a man. I don't agree with all these political things, so let us balance it very well. But then, that is a man. That is a man. A man stands with his wife. A man protects his wife. A man recognizes the place of his wife. I understood with history, some people that know their history, that that woman helped him through school at a point. So, he, he became president means nothing to him. He knows that this is one who is submitted to me, one who has been helping me, one who has allowed me. I understood that he became governor by the influence of the woman in the first instance. So many things. So, we must understand that this thing called marriage is not about what people think. Many people are trying to please other people at the expense of their own marriage. Many pastors have lost their homes because of church people. God did not send any pastor that work. I've told God, God forbid, God forbid, God forbid. I've told God, I said, Lord, instead, you will take your church and give it to somebody else. But my wife, you keep her with me. You keep her with me. Don't compromise about that. Because it is not about anything else. Listen, friends, if I fall in love with the bride of Christ, I'm committing adultery. You've never heard that before. If a pastor is falling in love with the bride of Christ at the expense of his wife, that is, he's, he's marrying the church first and his wife is second, he's committing adultery. Because all of you, all of us here, we are the bride of Christ. You understand? So I love you like a fellow brother and sister no more. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the kind of love I have for my wife, nobody else can have it. Nobody else should have it. Praise the Lord. Now I'm saying this in the context of Husbands and wives that base their actions on the word of God. This has nothing to do with abusive relationships or a flagrant disregard for God's intention for the role of a man loving his wife or a woman submitting to her husband. When we do those things, this is where I am taking things. So when a wife who is believing and a husband who is believing institute God's principle in their marriage, a solid, healthy marriage results. A biblically-based marriage Make sure that Christ remained ahead. Remember my illustration about looking at my shoulders and keeping focus. And the more they looked at it and moved towards it, they came together. We must continue to keep Jesus the center of our marriages. Marriage is therefore honorable, friends. The Bible says it is honorable, but we must make sure that it remains undefiled. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4. He said it is honorable and the bed undefiled. Among but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. This is a generation that has completely opened herself up to the devil in many ways. And I want to sound a warning. Adultery is not just for people who don't know God. Many people get easily caught up in fornication and adultery today because it is so easy. In fact, we have sophisticated forms 
of adultery that go on these days that people would not even know until you go into people's phones, then you see them very, very active in adulterous relationships. This was not the case a few years ago, but it's now possible. People have cyber sex. People have all kinds of things that they do with people even across the globe. Nothing has changed God's standard. When we engage in those things, we defile our marriage. Your marriage will not be defiled. Your marriage will not be defiled in the name of Jesus. Men, you have heard many times that women are oral. Be very careful what you say to members of the opposite sex. As I grew older in marriage, I learned this. I was very, very flippant. I just talked my mind without any strings attached to ladies, to men. Oh, you're looking great, you're looking great. But I caution myself much more these days. Why? Because most of the time, you know what is in your heart, but you don't know what is in the heart of the other person. If you tell a lady that is not your wife, you're looking good, you're looking good every day, she starts to assume that you, there is something that you... <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad to compliment, but if care is not taken, she starts to develop a relationship with you that you did not know about. You thought you were just talking. You thought you were just complimenting a beautiful lady. So be very careful. If you have to send a text message to somebody and you have to delete that text so that your children don't see it, it is a bad text. Don't send it. Don't send it. Something is wrong with it. If you have to delete it, I'm not talking about something that has to do with somebody's personal records or something, but a text of an exchange of words with somebody, especially of the opposite sex, that your spouse cannot see or your, your children cannot see. Don't send it. Don't get involved. That means you are crossing the boundaries. And it's the Holy Spirit telling you don't go there. We need to understand that many people are involved in emotional affairs nowadays. It doesn't involve physical contact, but a continuous exchange of words of pleasantries with members of the opposite sex, especially who are not their spouses. This, can I have Hebrews 13:4 stayed up, please? This continues to defile the marriage bed. And God, the Bible says, will judge. Defilement comes when we operate according to the works of the flesh. Galatians 5.19 tells us the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. These are all the works of the flesh. When we operate like this, verse 20 says idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentious jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions. All these things, when we operate by them, we are defiling our marriage. Let us be very careful. Very, very careful. And ladies, men are visual. Men are visual. If you walk around male, male, male people, male uh, counterparts a lot, mind how you dress. Mind how you carry yourself. Men just see once and everything is, is out of the window. So you might be finding yourself tempting people without even knowing. Why are you dressed showing parts of your body? You don't need to. The man that needs to see it, show him everything at home. Show him everything at home. He wants to see everything, I hope. So you show it to him. Don't go showing it to everybody around in the name of just wanting to keep up the trends of the fashion. I know these are not modern messages, but it's all right. <laughs> modern day messages say it's all in the heart. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Modern day messages say it's all in the heart. And I know it's all in the heart, but think about the other person. As I said, I could have good intentions in my heart and look at the sister and say, wow, sister, you are looking beautiful today. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if I'm always saying it, I'm always saying it, and her husband doesn't even tell her like that. Don't you think that I'm giving her suggestions? Whether I want to admit it or not, that's what I will be doing. So I should not do that. I have to restrain myself. Even if she's looking beautiful, I'll say, hmm. <laughs> because I said it last week, I said it two weeks ago, the thing wants to come out again this week, I remember you have said it enough now, so I said, sister, hi, mm, mm. <laughs> so that I don't confuse the innocent lady, that I, I just am complimenting her. Anything the devil will use to make an occasion for sin and to defile our own marriages or the marriages of somebody else, let us not go there. Let's not go there. Friends, nobody is above temptations. Nobody is above temptations. Many, many marriages, many people who fell will tell you, I didn't mean to. 
I didn't mean to. I don't know what came over me. I don't just know what came over me. That's the same story. Many cases, especially those who name the name of the Lord. So we have to be very careful. The other thing is that was mentioned there is it, it talks about contentions, hatred, contentions. When we grow together in a family, we start to find ourselves developing things that could lead to hatred. We must not let it stay. Hebrews 12, 15. It said, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. That is defilement. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many have become what? Defiled. Many marriages are defiled today because couples have grown hatred towards each other. You know how hatred is? When you see your spouse and something turns on your inside, it has become hatred. You need to pray. You need to ask God to help you. When you hear your voice, the voice of your spouse, something good should happen to you. I say something good should happen to you. Amen. Don't say, ah, it's her again. Oh, it's him again. That is hatred. The Bible says it causes trouble and it defiles many. It defiles the whole home and also it makes it very difficult for such a people to make progress in their marriage. Let us work hard. Let us trust God. If you need counseling over your marriage, I've said this over and over, please don't hesitate. If you think you need help getting past a, 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 an adulterous affair or something that has caught up with you in your history, even maybe before you got married or sadly when you even got married, you need help. It can never be taken away without you seeking proper counseling and getting the right support. Please make sure you do that so that you don't continue to leave it out. And may God continue to help us in Jesus' name. Marriage can be very sweet. All we need to do is to understand the principles of God about it and stand with God. The devil is doing everything he can to scatter marriages today because if marriages are successful, you have successful families, and then you have successful families, you have successful communities, and so on and so forth. So he knows. He doesn't want the good of mankind. And so he fights everything he can to make it difficult for people to stay in good godly marriages. We have to recognize him and resist him accordingly. May God continue to give us victory over, our, over all the plans of the enemy. In the name of Jesus. I want to conclude this by saying the way to ensure all the forms of defilement that we've talked about are kept away is to be prayerful and to keep walking in love. This is why the theme Loving Spouses is today. Let's keep walking in love. First Peter 4, verse 7, it says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Whatever you do, friends, don't stop praying. Husband and wives, don't stop praying. Don't stop trusting each other. Don't stop uh, discussing. Don't stop the place of the prayer altar. And verse 8, let's read verse 8 together. This applies to every relationship we have as brethren, but in the context of marriage, very important. Let's read it. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Now, the words love will cover a multitude of sins doesn't mean that we are allowing sin and we're just saying love will cover a multitude of sins. What it's saying is that the Bible says people sin and they fall short. So you fall short today, the love of the spouse will bring you up. You, she falls short today, her love will bring you up. You fall short today, like that, like that. That is what it means, but it covers a multitude of sins. So we have to let love continue to thrive in our homes. Everybody is born selfish. We determine not to be self-centered. You have, the Bible says love does not seek its own. We are reading that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. It says love suffers long. Love is kind. It does not envy. These are the things we have to do about love. Love is not a feeling. Love is an intentional action to be like God. God is love. So it's an intentional action to be kind towards your spouse. What is kindness? You forgive them today. They, they, they forgave you yesterday. You forgive them today. They will forgive you tomorrow. There is always room. The moment you put people in a space, huh? in a space, and there are two people there, the potential for stepping on each other's toes has started. The moment you put any two people, not to talk of marriage, the one you have been seeing year in, year out, for 10 years, 15 years, there's potential. 
There's potential. There are times she will speak a language you would think she's speaking French, even though she spoke in English, <laughs> because you don't understand what she's saying at all. You had a good discussion before going to bed. How many men have been there? It was so nice before going to bed. The discussions were nice, and then she just wakes up. She says, in fact, I'm not doing that thing again. And you're like, we spent two hours talking about this yesterday, celebrating the goodness of God about it. But things have changed. And we need to know how to gently follow each other. Love does not parade itself. Don't always be self-centered. Look at the other person. It's not puffed up. I don't know why couples are puffed up at each other. You need to walk together, hold each other, love each other, correct each other. I've always said there's nothing I cannot correct my wife on. Many people look at me and say, oh, you pamper your wife, you do this and that. If you see where we are having the discussions, you will not know. The only difference is I don't have my discussions in public. I cannot be scolding my wife in public for you. Never, never. No, it has never happened, not from my parents, not in front of my parents, not in front of anybody. But when I need to scold her, she, I scold her. When she needs to scold me, she scolds me. She would tell me that she listens to all my messages. She's not always here. She will listen to everything. If there is a statement that was inaccurate, do you say, you said 15. It wasn't 15, it was 20. Do you remember? I say, ah, I, I mixed it up. I say, I'll find a way to correct it. Praise the Lord. I mean, we're that accountable to each other. But if we don't let each other do what God has called us to do, verse 7, love bears all things. Go straight to verse 7. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. May God give us the grace to endure. I say, may God give us the grace to endure. Let us do everything we can to remain positive with our marriages. The Bible says two are better than one because they will have a good reward for their labor. Your marriage is for betterment and it will continue to deliver betterment unto you in the name of Jesus. Everything the enemy has stolen from your marriage. Remember when you married your spouse, all the dreams, all the lofty ideas, some of those things have flown through the window but you need to get them back. You go back home today, and as you are listening to this message, you call your spouse, you say, honey, let's go back to that place. Let's go back to our first love. Let's go back to that place we committed to each other for the long haul. And may God continue to bless all our marriages. In the name of Jesus. Let's rise to our feet. and God bless you.